Sidney Crosby reaches a milestone that proves he's been in the game for this long, and he's still got it. Connor McDavid hasn't been in the game for nearly long as him, and he continues to do things uh, that we think are practically impossible. Meantime, uh, Quinnipiac did something that uh, a lot of people thought they couldn't do, and that is beat the mighty Golden Gophers uh, with everything on the line. Also, the Bruins reaching 60-plus wins, that's something neither of us expected, and yet they did that as well. The main course, however, is who is best equipped to contend if they land Connor Bedard in this year's draft lottery. Episode 360 of the Lace My Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Before uh, we go any further, uh, and recording today in the middle of a, a live newsroom, so if you hear background stuff going on, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. It's a live newsroom, and uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, starting with... Uh, your Boston Bruins, Brett, you don't want to talk about him, but uh, yeah, they keep uh, doing things that you have no choice, but you have to talk about him. Also, uh, happy Easter. I know it's you'll be listening to this the day yes, after good. Easter, but happy Easter for those who celebrate as well. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the Bruins are, uh, they, they have the most wins um, in, uh, or have, or I guess they tied... The 95-96 Red Wings and the 18-19 Tampa Bay Lightning for wins with three games left. Um, They have 62 wins so far. They do play Philadelphia tonight. um, And they play Washington on Tuesday and then Montreal on Thursday. Um, I had also thought, or I got confused, or maybe someone was telling me this, but in 1976 and 1977, the Montreal Canadiens uh, had 60 wins, um, but they only played 80 game in 80 games. So it wasn't. Uh, I guess they moved it to 82 games later on in the 90s. I think. But um, and keep in mind uh, that yeah. was back in the era where ties were a thing. Right, well. right. 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 And that's the same, you can say that for those that Detroit team that I just mentioned. Uh, so that 77 Montreal team did win the Stanley Cup. The 95, uh, I'm just looking here now. Yeah, that 95-96 team did not win. They went to the conference finals, though. And, of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning, that team got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets, or um, which is crazy. So, of course... Um, notwithstanding that, like, uh, you don't have the, like, you know, we, we, we still don't know what the Bruins are going to do in the playoffs. Um, so like not taking that into account, I am curious, I mean, curious about your question. Cause for me, it's, I'm a little biased here, but what is more impressive that Montreal Canadiens team back in the seventies uh, when, like, it w- like, you know, I mean, I guess, like, yeah, there were ties, there were, 
uh, the training and the specialties were not um, up to par from this standard. Um, or do you, you think that what Tampa Bay was able to do um, when there is an overtime, there are shootouts, um, and you know they, they were obviously very impressive that year as well. And then, or this Bruins team, when, I mean, we're about to talk about this, uh, well, yes, you also have the same thing with the overtimes and the, the shootouts, but uh, pretty much half the league or almost half the league is um, maybe like, actually, I, I should say like, like maybe like five, 10 teams are tanking for Connor Bedard, um, which in turn kind of makes the league worse. Um, so I, I am curious, what do you think is like more impressive of those three teams? As a fan of someone who, of all three of these teams or four of these teams now were, are in your division, although I guess Detroit won it when they were in, when they were in the West. Yeah. yeah, when they were in the West, but we'll, we'll count them as well. Cause that was also during the dead puck era. Um, they also had ties during that time period as well, but uh, the dead puck era was also a time when it was like, you know, defense was king and all that stuff. So it is impressive that they were able to win that much when, um, when there wasn't a ton of scoring. So, um, yeah, what, what, of those four teams, and of, of course the Bruins still have three more games left, but, um, what, what is more impressive? Um, well, I'm going to still be the ultimate fence sitter and say all of them are unique and special yep. in their own way. That's um, fair. I will say it, to me, due to recency bias, partially, I would say the Bruins okay. is more impressive. Again, when you consider yep. where this team was at heading into the offseason, everyone thought, okay, Bergeron's not mm-hmm. coming back. Don't know what's going to happen with Pasternak. What's the yep. future of this team going to be like? Do they have the depth scoring? Oh, my God, they fired Bruce Cassidy. What's yep. Jim Montgomery going to do behind the bench? And they go out and win 60-plus games despite – all of the obstacles yeah. lying in their way, the early injury to Marishaw, the early injury to McAvoy, and just the fact that there was so much, there, there were so many new things to get used to, a new coaching system to an extent. Um, you also had, you know, Pasternak in a contract year. Like I said, not yeah. sure what you're going to get out of that. Playing some of the best hockey he's ever played. Linus yep. Olmark playing the best hockey he's ever played. Jeremy Swayman being Jeremy Swayman. The depth scoring yep. uh, continues to show up. They got Bergeron back for Olmark. another year. They even brought back David Krejci, and he's been great too. Um, Olmark, as you said, just uh, just studs all around. And even the guys that we don't really mention, yep. Matt Grizzlick, Hampus Lindholm of his early season surge, as we said, uh, he's been great. Dmitry Orlov coming in. Tyler Bertuzzi starting to pick up the pace now as well. Uh, just a rotating cast of characters, regardless of what they've been doing, how long they've been on this group, every single member in some way, shape, or form has contributed to this level mm-hmm. of success in Boston this year. And I would say in the sense of, uh, you know, a guy like Pavel Zaka and a guy like Jake DeBrusque, guys that you were hoping could take that next step and they finally have and in their roles that they've thrived so well um it's just been the perfect storm and if you're looking at games you know 
where it looks like, okay, the Bruins aren't going to find themselves out of this one. Uh, like the yep. game against Toronto, that game against Calgary, they find a way to get two points all the same. And right. I question how how much luck they have in the tank for a big playoff run. But, I mean, you, you can't deny the regular season success that they've had and the fact that despite everything that's happened, they're still the best of the best. And going down as you know, the best team stat-wise in yep. the NHL history, potentially, like, pretty darn impressive. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, I'm trying to take away the playoffs because you could still, like, you can make a case that the Tampa Bay Lightning were the best regular season team uh, that year, even though it's, like, you have to, like, just forget about the fact that they got swept um, in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but, like, the other thing that's interesting about this is that, like, I'm now I'm looking at that 95-96 Red Wings team. This team had Fedorov, Yeiserman, Paul Coffey, uh, Igor Larionov, uh, uh, Lindstrom, Keith Primu, Dimo, Dino Cicerelli. Um, basically, I could just go down this list, and they're all, like, Hall of Famers or should maybe in the Hall of Fame. I guess Chris Osgood, that's the, the famous, like... He's not a Hall of Famer, but he was always on good teams. Uh, but, mm -hmm. like, and then you look at the Bruins, it's like, yes, Bergeron's in the Hall of Fame uh, when he retires. Uh, you could make a case for Marshawn now. You could uh, potentially make a case for Krejci. I'm, I I think uh, Pasternak is on his way there, but he, you know, he's still pretty young. Um, and then, um, yeah, McAvoy, you could say the same there, but, like, like, in terms of, like, you know, the Lightning, of course, you have Stamkos, you have Kucherov, you have Hedman, you have Vasilevsky. All three of the, all four of those guys are making the uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, and, like, whereas for this Bruins team, what makes it more impressive is that on this list, you pretty much have, like, three guaranteed Hall of Famers, whereas, like, if you were looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning or the um, or the uh, the Tr Detroit Red Wings roster of those times, you're like, oh, okay, like, of course this team did well. Um, and, of course, like, I, I think there is something about expectation, too, because we've been saying this all year, too. It's like, if you were to tell me that there would be a team that would get 62 wins within, in uh, in, like, 78 games... Um, with three games left in the in the season, and it looks like you know they're playing easy teams, so they probably will do it. Um, like, you know, I would have thought it would be the Colorado Avalanche or the Tampa Bay Lightning or the you know the, there's um, or even like the Dallas Stars or something. You know, it's just like it is crazy that it's like yeah. I mean, I, as a Bruins fan, like I did believe that this team was good. I, I did have them in the playoffs, but of course, I never expected them to be this good. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just incredible. Like I, I also you were mentioning that Calgary game, um, and that I watched as well, and I love that game. But I also wanted to mention a game uh, last week um, when they play the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Penguins are fighting for their playoff lives. Um, they might not make it, um, and they're very close. But um, the Bruins, uh, who they played, um, this was a game that the Bruins were playing on the road. They didn't have Bergeron. He's, he was injured that game. He was just taking an off day. Um, 
Krejci, I oh no, Krejci did play, um, and um, I think there was another injury there, um, or someone who wasn't playing. Um, but uh, uh, the the Bruins still like Pasternak um, ended up with a hat trick, and he ended up winning the game for for the Boston Bruins that time. So it's just just the Bruins have this like will to win; they never give up. Um, it's incredible. I know, like, you know, I, as, a, as a Boston sports fan, I still think back to that time when the Patriots were undefeated and then they lost to the Giants, um, and that's, like, what that season is known for. Um, I, I, like, I know this is going to sound corny, because it is, but I'm incredibly proud of this team, even if we do end up going to be, like, the 2018-2019 the, the Tampa Bay Lightning I can get swept in the first round um, because it's like no one expected this team to be this good, um, and it's just it's just incredible to like like I can't I, I can't even think of like a, a player that I'm upset with <laughs> like it's it's um, it's just a, a great feeling, um, but of course it's like you know now there's more pressure where it's like it feels like it'll just be a disappointment if we don't. Um, at least make it to the conference finals. Yeah, with the, with the season yeah. that good, like it's it's covered right. best, essentially. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I I would be that shouldn't take away from the magic, even yeah. if they don't win the cup. But exactly. It, that that's what they're expecting. I mean, yeah. Obviously, I would be disappointed if they lost in the conference finals or the Stanley Cup finals. But like, at least I'd be like, all right. Well, at least we're not the Lightning. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's also um, you know. There, there was a point when I, I think all like Jim Montgomery and the Bruins players were saying it's like, yeah, we don't really care about this. We, we just care more about the playoffs, which is good. But, you know, there is a part of me that's thinking like, okay, if you can beat a Montreal Canadiens record or if you can beat a Tampa Bay Lightning record, then, yeah, you do it. Um, Literally the only blemish uh, yep. was an off-ice thing with Don Sweeney right. and his questionable decision to sign that yep. guy that we will not speak of. Yeah. <laughs> I, Unless he's I forgot in the news that, and yeah. we have no choice but to speak of him. Yeah. yeah. Right, That's right. That's literally the only thing I can think of that they've done yeah. wrong. No, no, you're right. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's another thing, but um, yeah, you're right. That's like how good... I mean, it's it's funny too because we have a unique perspective because I am more focused on the Bruins, so we talk in turn we talk about them more. But like, I was I was critical of the uh, Orloff trade; he's been a phenomenal. I was critical of the Hampus Lindholm extension; he's he might be better than Charlie McAvoy at this point. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, easy there. There's a reason McAvoy's getting paid. Oh no, I, I, yeah, I guess that, that's fair. But like, um, and uh, I, I know. But like, I, I my point definitely is, is complimentary piece to McAvoy. That's for definitely sure. very good. I, I thought Jake DeBrusque was going. Like, I knew that he didn't get along with Bruce Cassidy, but I, I like, and I knew he was going to be better, but I didn't expect him to be uh, this good. Um, yeah, and that was points. the gamble yep. that they took as well. Yep. They they chose the player over the coach. Yep, yeah, and um, I mean I, I'm sure it's not just because of Jake DeBrusque that they had an issue with, but they also brought over David Krejci because apparently Krejci, the reason why Krejci went, supposedly uh, a, a reason why Krejci went to check for one year was because he didn't like Cassidy. Um, 
and he wanted to play with Pasternak, and uh, Cassidy didn't want to do that, which is funny because then that year when Krejci leaves, he Pasternak does they get separated uh, with Marshawn and Bergeron. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 incredible. Um, but yes, I have to like you know again, I have to, like I've been trying not to talk how good this team is, but. Um, because I am that superstitious, but I, I think it applies here that I, I'm going to be excited about it, but I know that the, the playoffs are another beast and hopefully the Bruins will make me proud, um, when that happens in a few weeks. Um, okay. I just wanted to give a shout out to my team, the Ottawa Senators for the first time since 2016-17. Yep. We'll finish the regular season with above 500 record. It might only uh, be one game, but it's above 500. I don't care. Yep, yep. Um, now we go to the, uh, I mean, New England sports is having a pretty good year. Uh, UConn, they win their the basketball championship. True. In the Final Fours. And then uh, we have, uh, so Quinnipiac, um, they play Michigan. Um, and I had thought that, uh, so Michigan, they're a pretty good team. I don't know if you've heard, uh, Steve, but uh, they... Um, they have this guy named Adam Fantilli, who we're about to talk about in a little bit. Uh, he has, he had the best freshman year in college, better than Jack Eichel, um, his rookie year in, in at BU. Uh, Luke Hughes, who just signed an ex- extension, we'll talk about him in soon. Mackie Samuskevich, he's going to be a good pro. He's drafted by Florida. Uh, Rucker McGrory, I believe he's a Winnipeg Jet. Um, all those guys, Seamus Casey... Dylan Duke, um, this team lost to Quinnipiac um, in the Frozen Four, five to two, um, and then they play uh, they play in the final game. Uh, Minnesota, uh, who who Quinnipiac plays, they um, they Minnesota's also pretty good. I don't know if uh, Logan Cooley, who's also <laughs> was incredible this year as a freshman, sixty points in thirty nine games. Um, Matthew Nyes, who's probably going to turn pro any second now. I would be shocked if he, um, he might even sign right now. I don't know. Uh, he's, uh, he's a Leafs prospect, 42 points in 40 games. Jimmy Snuggerud, who was drafted by the Blues last year, 50 points in 40 games. Jackson Lacombe, who's, uh, who's also going to be a decent pro, um, for Anaheim. Um, he had 35 points in 37 games. Reminder, he's a defenseman. Um, so they have a pretty good team, too. Um, and, uh, in fact, Minnesota was up 2 nothing with, like, five minutes left in the third period. And then um, uh, and then Quinnipiac scores uh, with two minutes left. And then in t- ten seconds in to the overtime, the... Uh, it was just basically a back and forth, um, like just from the faceoff, a pass to Jacob Quillian, um, and uh, Quinn and and yeah, they score. It was uh, it was amazing. Um, it was quite a feat. The thing with Quinnipiac is is I just listed you like future pros for Minnesota of, of guys who are in Minnesota and in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinnipiac does not have any NHL drafted prospects. They do have uh, Rod Brindamore's son, 
uh, Skylar Brindamore, but no one uh, you have never heard of. Um, if if you're like even like someone like Steve, like if I told you, could you even guess who is the top scorer for Quinnipiac? Bobby Moynihan. <laughs> no, I don't even. He's not even on the team. Um, I know that was the joke. <laughs> Uh, I, I just I just listed yeah. out the person who's on Saturday Night Live. Uh, I I thought there was like a Moynihan somewhere. I yeah, think he's Patrick on Moynihan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought that's who you were referencing. <laughs> yeah, that's why I thought of Moynihan because it's uh, like how can I make it, this I, funny? Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> um, yeah, Colin Graff is the name uh, for this guy. Uh, yeah, would not have guessed that in a million years. Exactly, Great name yeah. though. Uh, yeah, he got an assist in the game winner. Um, Sam Lipkin. Um, is another guy, um, and then Jacob Quillian. But anyways, I I find it incredible that like this this team not only beat Michigan, who you was like a super team, they also beat Minnesota. They came back from behind. This is their first national championship. Um, it just like shows that like even though college hockey is getting better and skilled, they're getting a lot of these guys who are going to be good pros um, in the NHL. But they. Um, you know, there's still those times where the underdog wins, um, and and I love that. So uh, yeah, good for Quinnipiac. I'm happy for them. Um, also, yeah, there Quinnipiac is a Connecticut school for those Canadians who are, happen to be listening in and have no idea where Quinnipiac is. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, so good for good for um, for Quinnipiac, and it's good to see. Um, I did want to mention that uh, Adam Fantilli, I did mention that he has, uh, he won the Hobie Baker, um, which is the best college um, player, um, or the best, the, the MVP basically of the NCAA. He had 65 points in 36 games, um, which is pretty good. Um, and then, oh, I'm looking here that Logan Cooley has uh, was second in points with 60 points in 39 games. That's pretty good, too. And then I'm sitting here, third is Colin Graff uh, with 59 points in 41 games. So uh, that, that's all pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, it's just um, it's just incredible that Quinnipiac was able to, to beat Michigan there. Uh, but yeah, Adam Fantilli. It's it's funny that like Adam Fantilli was like had an historic season for the NCAA. Yet, and in any other draft, Adam Fantilli would be the first overall pick. Um, but yeah, Connor Bedard <laughs> in in his draft year, that's like oh okay, he's doing so much better. I mean, it is pretty similar to what what happened with McDavid and Eichel. Like it's almost to a T basically you have one guy who's killing it in the CHL like really killing it and then you have another guy um who's like who's has the best college hockey numbers in history um and um and they're in the same draft year so uh there's that um, By the way, it should also be noted that the Mike Richter Award awarded to the best goalie was Devin Levi. Yep. Uh, in his first four NHL games, he has already beaten the New York Rangers, the Detroit Red Wings, and the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, but he did lose to the Florida Panthers, the team that drafted him. But um, he, he did. He did play he well, did. though. He did play well. But, he, but he's won three of his first four yep. games and beaten some pretty good competition along the way, too. Can't yep. take that away from yep. him. Yep. 
Um, Luke Hughes um, also signs his entry-level contract for the New Jersey Devils. I'm looking here on the NCAA stats list. Luke Hughes finished eighth. Um, he's actually the second best. That's the second best for a defenseman, or he tied the second best for a defenseman with Lane Hudson, who's going to be pretty good for uh, Montreal, um, but he's at PU right now. Um, yeah. Just looking at his resume from the University of Michigan last year, he had 17 goals and 39 points in just 41 games. So near a point a game player, but 17 goals is insane. And then he added another 10 goals and 48 points in 39 games this year. So quite the resume that the Devils are going to get. And they're gearing up for a playoff run as well. So he he could be that Kale McCarr type of X factor where it's just yep. like, oh, we need a defenseman last minute. Let's see what this Luke Hughes kick can right, do. Right, right. And then all of a sudden, it, he's just going to use that as a launch pad to say, welcome to my world. Right, You're right. living in it. Get used to it. And yes, he is Jack Hughes's and Quinn Hughes's brother um, as yeah. well. Uh, he did take warm-ups uh, yesterday when uh, for the Devils uh, against the Bruins. Uh, he didn't play, but I would I would suspect that he's going to play some games in the regular season. I guess there's some rule that like you have to play one game in the regular season in order to be um, on the playoff roster or something like that. So I imagine he'll get a he'll play um, one of these games um, in the last week oh, of the Devils, and then um, and then we'll see him probably in the playoffs and be a huge X factor for them. But yeah, the devils are, they have like a sneaky X factor there. Uh, Speaking of uh, defensemen, college defensemen, another signed his entry level contract with Brock Faber turns pro with Minnesota wild. Uh, He was originally a product of the LA Kings, but he was traded to Minnesota last off season, the Kevin Fiala deal. Yep. Yep. Uh, So uh, we also, we conclude this, I feel like there there's going to be like two big takeaways from this NHL season. One is that the Bruins are um, have this incredible run. The other is that Connor McDavid is um, insane. Uh, he uh, he has 151 points. Uh, that puts him. I'm looking here. He has that's 16 um, among. Um, single season leaders uh for points um i'm seeing here he's quite he's in good company uh phil esposito just ahead of him with 152 then you have yeiserman uh lemieux for two seasons wayne gretzky for three mario's also in there and then wayne gretzky is pretty much the rest of this list but yeah 16th um on this list and i think they have three more games left so uh, he's really good. Um, we also had mentioned that the uh, or last week we were saying that Ryan Nugent Hopkins um, is pretty close to be getting that 100th point. Uh, he did officially get that 100th point, and so did Jason Robertson, by the way. Um, and this is the first time since the I want to say the was it the 95 96 Penguins team. Um, yeah, you told me uh, that stat earlier yeah, this yeah. week, and it was the nine five nine six Penguins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the wait. Is that that's the same year as the Red Wings? <laughs> 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 the Red Wings. 
And uh, similar to the Red Wings, hey, yeah. would you look at that? They lost in the conference finals. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's... To the Panthers of all teams. They yeah. needed John Van Beesburg for that run. I hope it's not the same. Like, yeah, now I hope it's like. Now it's going to be like, yeah. Well, it'll probably happen where the Oilers will lose in the conference finals and the Bruins will lose in the conference finals. I just know it. I mean, if if the Oilers face Colorado, that could be. They, they could oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely um, likely. For the Oilers, um, the yeah yeah it was the ninety five ninety sixteen, yeah that's that's uh, that's pretty scary now that I think about it. Jeez, <laughs> um, but yeah no Connor McDavid uh, he's incredible. We've already said all, all this stuff about him, but it's like um, it's just incredible that he's able to do this. Um, of course, he's not reaching Wayne Gretzky level just yet because he still needs a couple more of these seasons but of course he's well on his way um and, uh, and he probably needs to he not probably he does need to be in the win a stanley cup in order to be even um in that conversation um and before anyone asks like can you get 200 points i mean like it's 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 tough just to get to 150 yeah. like like he's only yeah. got a handful of games left to really hit 160, which hasn't been done since 92, 93, yep. when Lemieux did it uh, with 160 points, and he only played 60 games that year because yep. he was also undergoing um, treatments for leukemia, I think it was, or non-Hodgkin's yep. lymphoma, that was it. And, right. um, and it should be noted that only four times in NHL history has a player hit 200 points, and it's not four different guys, it's one guy yep. every time. Just yeah. different years, and that's of course number ninety-nine. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's insane actually, because I was this is I'm going off on a slight tangent here, um, but there was I was watching this TikTok where they asked, um, I think it was the Ohio State hockey team players, um, who the greatest athlete ever was, um, and uh, it was basically like fifty-fifty. Uh, some were saying Jordan, some were, uh, and the other half were saying Tiger Woods. And I was so confused by that because one, these are hockey players. And secondly, Tiger Woods, like I, I love, like golf is, I, I get that golf is like, you know, you have a lot of hand-eye coordination, but there's no running involved. There's no physicality involved really. Um, you know, it's also like a mental toughness type of game too. Um, yeah. And Michael Jordan, I can understand um, as well. However, for Wayne Gretzky, first off, hockey is a very grueling sport. Um, it's a tough sport to play. But also the fact that, like, any if you ask any hockey historian, any anybody who loves hockey, who the greatest hockey player ever was, they would all say Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> and yeah. it's just so it's just like it, it. Like I am biased, of course, but it's like. It's insane that people like no one, none of the Ohio State athletes said Wayne Gretzky when they play the sport. <laughs> the, you, uh, by the way, we're talking about Edmonton Oilers. Um, yeah. I'll, let me talk about one that doesn't get enough recognition because he's also been going out this year and everyone's talking about McDavid. Leon Draisaitl, yeah, uh, 124 points, another 50 goal season in just 78 games. I don't know if you know this, Brett, but he has 31 power play goals. Yeah. And I was just taking a look at, in terms of recorded power play goals, 
since 1917-18, which I believe was the first official NHL season. Do you know where Leon Draisaitl ranks on the all-time single-season power play goals list? Uh, one first. I don't know. No, but it's still crazy. He's third. Wow. Tied for third with Joe Newendike in 87-88, Mario Lemieux in 95-96, and Mario Lemieux in 88-89 with 31 power play goals. The only two guys that had more power play goals in a season than Leon Draisaitl is. Tim Kerr, in 85-86 with the Philadelphia Flyers, he had 34 Jeez. power play goals. Dave Andrichuk is the other guy in 92-93. Oh, wow. He split that season between Buffalo and Toronto and played in 83 games. And he had 32. So, so in the midst of a historic season by McDavid, and rightfully so we're talking about him, how about that stat from Leon Dreisaitl? Yeah. 31 power play goals, that's crazy. I'm more shocked that the leader wasn't Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, in terms of uh, Wayne Gretzky, um, I don't, I don't see him even in the top twenty in this category. I mean, yeah, but probably in terms of power play assists, he's he's probably up oh, there yeah, yeah, yeah. That with uh, be, yeah. some historical yeah, seasons too. That's he's he, similar to McDavid. He's a he's a playmaker, and even still, McDavid gets like sixty four yeah, yeah, goals yeah. this year, which is also ridiculous. Right, right. He's right. just like ah. Or I should shoot more. Yep. He still gets eighty plus assists in a year where he gets sixty plus goals. Like, yep. Yep. That's that's how good Connor McDavid is. Yep. Uh, similarly, I mean, we're gonna. I guess this is a good segue because we're we're gonna be talking about the Penguins now. But that Penguin team was uh, uh, the three guys who hit a hundred points that year was uh, Mario Lemieux, Yamir Yager, of course, and um, and Ron Francis. Um, yep. So, uh, now that it's a good segue, because similarly, Sidney Crosby has, um, he put up, he had his 1,500th point last night, um, as well, um, it looks like that puts him 15th, um, over, um, all time, um, in terms of career points, uh, Gretzky, of course, has the most, and then Yamir Yager has the second most, which I thought was kind of surprising. I would have thought it was Howe or Messier, but uh, Messier is third and Howe is fourth. But, um, and, and yeah, I guess to even further this, um, this uh, stat here, Ron Francis is fifth, Mario is eighth, and I, yeah, I already mentioned Yager was a second. So, um, so yeah, that's incredible. I also am seeing here that Alex Ovechkin has four thousand uh, four hundred and eighty-four points, career points, on um, that sixteenth um, all-time. Uh, so he has a, you know, he has a few more points left uh, to reach that standpoint. But yeah, he's he's um, he he'll probably get there in a, in um, this season, or well, he's probably not going to make it this season, but he'll he'll probably get it next year. Um, He's also tied for 15th in terms yeah. of points this season with 91. So even in his mid-30s, yeah. dude, still has plenty of hockey left. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy that, like, you know, I mean, obviously McDavid has surplanted uh, Crosby um, as the face of the franchise and the best player in the league and all that. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's now, like, even when he's, like, 
in his prime, he's still putting up a ton of numbers. The Penguins aren't as good as uh, they used to be as well. That might have some attributing to it, but uh, yeah, Chris, Sidney Crosby's incredible as well. Um, yeah, yeah which, which arguably makes that point total even more yeah. impressive, considering where Pittsburgh has been this year. You know, it is kind of insane. Like we were just talking about Gretzky, but like it is insane that two franchises, like the Penguins and the Oilers, have like just gotten so lucky with getting like they, <laughs> they had two series of generational talent. Yeah, That's ridiculous. And not just like you know, you could also make a case that Yager is a generational talent, and mm-hmm. Leon Drysaddle is a generational talent too. It's just like. <laughs> yep. It's not just the legends; it's also like they're the other guys too. So um, yeah, it's it's just um, it's just amazing that they're able to do that. But yeah, like again, Crosby is one of those people that you, we've already said all the stuff that needs to be said about Crosby. We all know he's good. It's just it's just boring at this point. Where I'm like, I could go on and on about how good Crosby is, but um, but then it's like, yeah, we all know that Crosby's really good. Um, okay, uh, so speaking of which, generational talents, um, we're, yes. uh, see, I'm, like, incredible with these, uh, these, uh... Yeah, we're, we're freaking pros, man. We've been at this for almost a decade. With like, these segues, yeah, I know. <laughs> look at this right here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Connor Bedard, uh, is, uh, is, like, he's kind of the most exciting prospect we've had since Connor McDavid and Crosby, it's it's that level of uh, player now. Uh, yeah, not an exaggeration. Yeah, that's that's fact. I think yep. at this point. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, Connor Bedard has 143 points in 57 games. Steve was telling me this stat too, um, which is also like even more crazy. The fact that so the uh, WHL are in the playoffs right now. They've played six games. And Bedard has 19 points already in six games yep. in the playoffs. Um, That's his first playoff appearance, by the way, because yeah. um, the Regina Pats barely missed out in the playoffs last yeah. year. And um, I don't know how the WHL uh, playoffs worked or if they even had. Yep. I think they just had like a tune-up uh, because of the weird and wacky 2020-21 yep. season. Um, but in that session of 15 games, as a 15-year-old, he had 28 points with the Regina Pats. And yep. the Regina Pats were, you know, like an average team, and Bedard was carrying them then. Yep. And, he, and that's still the case here. Yeah, uh, to even further this point, uh, so I'm looking at the WHL stats here. So the second guy uh, with po- in terms of points or most points is uh, this guy named Chase Wheatcroft who just signed with the Dallas Stars. Um, he has 107 points. Man with the Dallas Stars and their young players, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, because they also have Logan Stankoven who's also pretty they have good. a lot of guys, league, yeah. but yeah, to name a few of those two, yeah. But yeah, so anyways, uh, Chase Wheatcroft, he, has, uh, he had 107 points in 68 games. Um, so yeah, that's pretty good. Um, however, Connor Bedard, um, has 143 points in 57 games, which means Connor Bedard has 40 more points than the next guy in, uh, nine fewer games. <laughs> that's, he also has 71 goals in 57 games, so he's well over a goal too. per game during the regular <laughs> season, too. Yeah, in 72 he it says... He also won't be 18 until after he is drafted. Yeah, 
What's what's also impressive too is that I'm I'm noticing this as well is that he's not like a big guy, um, either. Which is you know usually like you know I mean nowadays with guys like Patrick Kane, Johnny Gaudreau, um, you know Brad Marchand, like you know if you're small, it's not Jack Hughes. It's another one. Um, if you're small in the league, you're not necessarily like it's not like the, as big of a deal as, as it was a long time ago but the fact that Connor Bedard is 510 he's a center so that is an interesting aspect of it it's just like he's he's like a small guy <laughs> and he's not um I mean I guess 510 isn't like tiny or anything like that but uh it's still pretty small um so it is incredible that he's he's been doing this all the time but anyways, um, uh, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN um, had this article out a couple of weeks ago, and he asked this question, which we thought we'll also attempt to answer as well. And that is, which team is the best setup to win the cup if they win Connor Bedard right now? Um, and uh, so that means, so I currently, of course, Things can change um, in, a, in a few days. But uh, right now, that means that I'm just going to read them here uh, from uh, the best odds to the worst odds of getting Connor Bedard. Also, I guess the top 10 or the top 11 have, the, uh, have a chance to get the first overall pick. So there are 11 teams here that uh, we can choose from. Um, and Steve and I will have are going to pick our top three picks of guys who would are teams that would be best set up um, to go on a run the next day. Assuming Connor Bedard is as is for real, of course, um, which we assume he is. Um, okay, so the the best odds to get Connor Bedard at the moment is Columbus. Then you have Chicago, Anaheim, San Jose, Montreal, Arizona, Philadelphia, Washington, Vancouver, Detroit, and St. Louis. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, so we we're gonna go with our like we're gonna do it this way where I'll say my third choice, Steve will go, will say his third choice, I'll say my second choice, and Steve will say his second choice, and I'll go with my first choice, and Steve will go with his. Um, okay. So, I'll, I'll start off first. Um, I'm going to go with Anaheim as my third choice here. Um, okay. I, so, this is a, first off, this is assuming that Dallas Eakins is out of there. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the big fat asterisk. Yeah, yeah. Like, if either of us choose this team, it's like, yeah. you need a new coach, though. Well, I felt the same way with Philadelphia because I was like, okay, they're a pretty True. good team, and if Couturier gets healthy, then I could see it. But then I was like, yeah, but Torts needs to go. So I, I, I couldn't. Uh, spoiler alert: they're, Philadelphia is not my second or first. Team. Yeah, just but, just the way that they play yeah. hockey, it just wouldn't vibe with yeah. Bedard's running gun style. Like but he's an offensive generator, yeah. and and that's how he creates offenses. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's not how Tortorella plays, um, yeah, or coaches. No. So, uh, so that that was uh, so um, so. This is just assuming that Dallas Eakins is gone. I guess if and I guess that's a big reason also why I put them third. 
Um, but a big reason why I have them in third is because you have guys like Trevor Zegris and Troy Terry who are um, who are still putting up decent numbers um, even though their team is terrible, um, and that's a good sign of a good player. Is if you're if you're good even when your team is failing, you're you know you're doing something. Um, they have so Trevor Zegers has sixty one points in seventy eight games. Troy Terry has fifty seven points in sixty seven games. Um, you also have Cam Fowler who's been uh, putting up some numbers. You have Mason McTavish, Ryan Strom. Uh, the thing that I'm that gets me more excited or uh, puts me, that I wanted before the other players is that uh, Anaheim Ducks have a pretty good farm system. Um, yeah. And, um, and in a few years, I feel like they're going to be incredible. Even if they don't get Connor Bedard, um, like Sasha Pasterjov, um, who's in the OHL, he has 98 points in 60 games for the OHL. He, he has two games there. Pavel Minchikov, uh, he's a defenseman, uh, 88 points in 69 games in the OHL. Um, I actually saw this statistic, or I think I was sending this to you, Steve, that uh, the Pavel Minchikov, Tristan Lunau, and Olin Zellweger, all three of them are in the three separate leagues of the CHL. They're all defensemen. Mm-hmm. They're all drafted by the Anaheim Ducks. They all had the best, historically, the best, they all had the most points by defensemen in their in that league history. <laughs> At the same season, they're all drafted by the Anaheim Ducks, uh, which is incredible. Um, but even even still, like you know, the it's not just their defensemen. Uh, Jackson Lacombe, who I was just mentioning, he's also pretty good. He's a defenseman as well. Yeah, Drew Hellison, who they got from the Josh Manson. Drew Hellison, yep. Yeah, that's another guy too. Um, so, like this is you know like this is a team that lost out Shea Theodore. They lost um, a few other guys um, on the defensive side of things, um, and, and most recently, and that that could attribute to why they Hampus Lindholm. Um, that could attribute to why they. Are um, they aren't as good as they once were, um, but they still have like Cam Fowler who has forty five points. I also mentioned Mason McTavish, Sasha Pashijov. They also have Sam Coangelo of uh, Northeastern. He's going to be a decent role player for them. So they have a lot of players that could be that could make an impact. Like I know that they're all prospects, but um, if you could add Connor Bedard to this team, like. Like, this would be incredible. Um, and, like, a team that it's like, okay, like, all this, like, yeah, you could you could make it work with Zegris and McTavish. Um, and, you know, I think Zellweger, um, of those defensemen, Zellweger's probably the real deal, or he's most likely going to be the guy. Um, so you could, and not to mention Lucas Dostal. Um, so you have that. Um who's a goaltender, and he's looked pretty good um, in the NHL lately, too. Uh, but I guess I'm just thinking that, like, if you add Connor Bedard to this, it's like, this is another, another level for the Anaheim Ducks, where it's like, okay, now they're in the next stage where they can start to compete um, and build their team around Connor Bedard. And you have Zegras and McTavish, who are players that you can be a, a good 
supporting cast, or be the Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, if you will. Um, so, um, so I, I think that's, that's a good option there for the Anaheim Ducks. But this is all assuming that Dallas Eakins is gone and they find it like a capable coach. Um, well, and the other thing is before we, before we move on, um, the, the thing that I look at the Anaheim Ducks is I also look at the competition that they have yeah. to deal with. Yeah, because if you look at the Atlantic Division, you know, you have your usual suspects at the top three that you'll mm-hmm. probably have to deal with next year. Plus a lot of up-and-coming teams, uh, you know, depending on what the auto centers do, they could be one of them next year as well. Uh, You obviously have the Metro Division, which is just stacked. And then, you know, you have the Central Division that has the likes of Colorado and Dallas Mm. and Minnesota. You never know with uh, St. Louis as a dark horse as well. Um, The Pacific, I see as a team, uh, is filled with teams that – you know, or going to yeah. be like a box of chocolates every year. Like, yes, the Edmonton Oilers have Connor McDavid, but you also don't know what to expect from their defense outside right. of Matias at home, and you yeah. don't know what to expect out of their goaltending. Uh, the Calgary Flames are, I don't even know what. Um, <laughs> you obviously have the Kings and the Golden Knights who are having good seasons, but they have their own series of question marks heading into the offseason as well. It wouldn't be far-fetched to say a team like Anaheim could turn things around in a couple of years and contend again. Yeah, I guess, like, I mean, I did just list a bunch of prospects, and, like, the question is basically um, if they, like, could they compete right now and win a cup, or, like, the next season, or, you know, yeah, next season. Um, It depends on also how quick they are to adapt as well. Because, like, a guy like Jake Sanderson in Ottawa, for example, everyone was questioning, okay, is this guy ready? And in a short time, he's proven, heck yeah, he's ready, he's full-time, he's here, and he's not leaving. Yeah, so so that that would be, like, the risk factor and why I put them third. But I feel like they would be an interesting team. I feel like they could definitely make the playoffs next year if they and had Connor based, based on what you see at the highest stage yeah. as well, with guys like Minchikov, guys like Owen Zellweger yeah. as well, they're definitely in a good spot in terms of player development. Too, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, that's true. We just uh, haven't seen them at the, AHL, at the NHL level consistently enough. And sure. I would assume maybe some of them get AHL time before, you know, yeah, yeah, I would NHL have, ice. But I would it depends, so. obviously, what we see in training camp and where they're at. Yeah, but I, I feel like if you get Connor Bedard, then you can start to, like, like there is, like, more pressure to, like, fix the defensive side of things because that's yeah. the big issue for Anaheim. And so then it's like, okay, well, you have all these defensive prospects. You can just bring them up. Like, even though they'll probably go, like, let's say they do win the lottery, they'll probably get a defenseman um, with more NHL experience um, in the offseason as well. But um, yeah. but then they'll be like, well, we also have this guy named Olin Silwiger who's going to be pretty good, or Minchikov or something. So, um, yeah. yeah you and and there's it. also, you know, the situation of like the Edmonton Oilers back when they got McDavid. Yeah. And like they obviously had some like guys that were like top five talent right. uh, in their draft years and whatnot. And they were definitely fun to watch at times. But just consistently, they weren't nearly good enough uh, to like even punch above their weight, really, and yep. give teams a good scare. And they, at times, they were good last year, and they showed signs of promise. And this year, we haven't really seen any of that nearly as often. 
Um, but you know, a guy like Batard, it could be could have that like McDavid S factor where you just look at this team a lot differently within just a couple yep. of years. Well, because to be, he just changes that much of an outlook for them. Well, to be fair, you could say that about pretty much every team that we're about to talk about. But yes, <laughs> you're, you're that, right. that's true. Yes, yeah. but just just the way that he compliments yeah, that, yeah. that young. No, player, I, I know what you definitely meant. Definitely takes yeah. the pressure off. I know yeah. what you meant. Um, all right, uh, who do you? Who's your third team? Well, considering that um, that uh, the winner of the draft lottery, it's not unheard of where it kind of goes like teetering on the edge of just outside the top 10 or just within the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, don't count out the St. Louis Blues at, uh, at number 11 here with the 11th best odds. Uh, I could see a reality uh, that um, they strike – that they strike it rich and they get Connor Bedard. Don't forget the Winnipeg Jets for like 11th or 12th um, in the NHL standings when the uh, Lafreniere draft lottery happened. And remember when uh, remember when the draft lottery for first overall went to a placeholder team? Yeah. Well, that placeholder team was um, a position that was held by the Winnipeg Jets, and they were like 11th or 12th. Oh right, right. So it's not. It's not unheard of for you know a team in St. Louis's spot yep. to magically find their way in this scenario. So yep. I'm going to go with the St. Louis Blues largely because outside of a few twinks, uh, uh, tweaks here and there and uh, adjustments that they made at the trade deadline, they don't really have to wait that long to contend. Um, you look at the young group of players that they have um, – Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, obviously, the defensive side of things hasn't been great, but the offensive side of things uh, has yep. been pretty good for them. Jordan Cairo leads the team in scoring with 72 points, 37 goals. Uh, you look at a team like the Blues that also have Robert Thomas, 63 points in 71 games, 46 of those 63 points uh, being assists. Uh, and Jordan Kyrou is also a pretty good shot generator too. Mm-hmm. Pavel Buchnevich is not that, but when he does get the puck, he knows what to do with it. He's only taken 121 shots, but he scored on 26 of those attempts for a 21.5 shooting percentage, which is pretty good. And he's over a point per game player this year, also a plus 14, which is kind of funny. Uh, Braden Shen, you, I don't think he really gets enough respect, but uh, yeah, 65 points in 80 games, he's a pretty good player as well. And you, you look at their defense, Justin Falk, Tori Krug, uh, Colton Pareko, um, Scott Perunovich, obviously his long-term health yep. is taking a back seat. But if he's on the ice and he finds his stride, he could be pretty good. Obviously, we're not really sure what their goaltending is going to look like, if Jordan Bennington is going to be the answer moving forward, if Joel Hofer is going to be the guy, maybe. Um so there are a couple of you know short-term issues that the blues need to fix but they've already cleared up a fair bit of cap space by dealing away ryan o'reilly by dealing away vladimir tarasenko a couple of other names as well uh so they definitely have some cap flexibility to you know add pieces to complement the roster that they already have if they need to you know trade away a young guy because they have a guy like Connor bedard coming into the picture to get that piece that piece or two that they're missing then they can do that because you know Connor Bedard is there uh and also Doug Armstrong is a pretty good GM I think he knows what he's doing 
Uh, could we see a coaching change in there? Possibly, and I think it's needed at this point as well. As I mentioned many times, I don't really think Craig Brubay's system is working anymore, and they need a fresh voice in the locker room. Not to say that he's lost room, but for, for whatever reason, the Blues are underperforming, and that needs to change. Um, so, yeah, I I would say they're a dark horse pick, and they're not my first pick, but if you're asking me yep. uh, top three picks, um, I would put St. Louis in the conversation for sure. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense because they, they were, like, they have the least odds to get Connor Bedard, but yeah, it makes sense that they, like, oh yeah, they would be set up to get, um, you know, to go to the playoffs and make a decent run in the playoffs next year if they do land him. Um, but, um, yeah, I, like, yeah, the Blues were good last year. I feel like this year was a bit of an aberration. I'm still skeptical about Jordan Bennington, but I think that's just my own bias. So it's a, it's a good choice. I, I just personally wouldn't do it. Um, I will also shout out to a couple of guys that they got at the trade yeah. deadline on the waiver wire as well. Kasperi Kapanen, 14 points in 21 games. I oh, know yeah. he's a hot and cold player, but that's pretty good production. And that's Jacob Verana, who was um, yep. kind, of, kind of down in the dumps in Detroit, he has nine goals, 13 points in his 18 games played with the team this year. Yep. They also have young talent like Jake Neighbors in the mix, who I'm yep. sure with NHL time is going to find his stride uh, as yeah. well and they've got some gems uh, in the minors uh, as well so yeah um, yeah yeah like, like i said the, the blues are definitely no slouch uh i don't know what to expect from them next year but it definitely looks better if they get the dart yeah of course you could say that about every team but yes you're right <laughs> once again yeah yeah uh, my second choice here is the columbus blue jackets um they yeah i had a feeling you would say that yeah yeah um the uh this is like you know they do have decent um prospects um i guess i could start off with talking about them too but um because they have like jordan dumai um uh the qmjhl he has 140 points uh you have luca <laughs> del bell Belouz, who has uh, 87 points um there's also david yercheck who's uh who's a defenseman but he's He's like an 18-year-old defenseman, um, and he has 38 points in 51 games um, in uh, in the AHL, which is incredible when you think about it because it's like the AHL. Um, and, you know, usually those are like professional players who are just about to make it to the NHL. Um, uh, Denton Matejchuk has 65 points in 63 games. That's another defenseman. So it's pretty similar to Anaheim. The thing that makes that I put the reason why I put them ahead of Anaheim though is because one, they're getting Zach Wierenski back, uh, assuming he's healthy. But he, you know, a big reason why Columbus struggled this year was because uh, they didn't have their best player in Zach Wierenski. Or I guess you could make a case that Kadro or Line A are their best player. But either way, you could make the case that. Uh, Wierenski is a pivotal play, a pivot, is a pivotal player for the Blue Jackets, and this season is a big reason why they, um, like they uh, weren't as good is because they didn't have Zach Wierenski. so so that impacted their their season as a whole, um, and then uh, Patrick Line, even though he's missed a couple of games, 
Um, he still has, uh, like, you know, he's still having a pretty good year. 52 points in 55 games uh, when he's been healthy. Uh, then you have Johnny Gaudreau, who's low-key also having a pretty good year. Uh, 71 points in 77 games. Um, and then you have Boone Jenner, um, who I had talked about a little bit uh, pre-times. Pre uh, but he has 45 points in 68 games. He's also really good, too. Um, then you have guys like Kent Johnson, um, uh, who's, uh, who has a decent rookie year, 40 points in 76 games. Uh, Nick Blankenberg, 14 points in 36 games. He's a defenseman. Um, Cole Sillinger is struggling um, in his sophomore year, but he had a pretty good year um, his rookie year. Uh, but yeah, he has, Cole Sillinger has 11 points in 64 games. Um, I feel like if you add Connor Bedard to this mix, it's like you have a really good first line with Gaudreau and Line A. Um, and then you can like, you know, I, I think that's a big thing with Columbus is that they... Other than Boone Jenner, and I guess you can make a case for Jack Roslevic, they're, they're kind of not as good uh, center-wise. Um, so it's like they have the wingers um, in Gaudreau and Line A and Roslevic who can play right wing, Ken Johnson who can play left wing. Um, so you have, like, the wingers. Um, you also have the defensemen. Um, with Wierenski, as I just mentioned. Jake Bean is another one who uh, missed some time or missed a lot of time um, as a defenseman. I just talked about Nick Blinkenberg. There's also Adam Bockfist, uh, 22 points in 43 games. Um, so um, so you, you can add that going. The only thing I will say is I'm not necessarily sure if Elvis Merzilkins is going to be the goalie for them. Um, I guess I could, I said the same thing about St. Louis, so maybe I'm a hypocrite there, but, um, but I feel like, I feel like, uh, he, the, like, they could figure something out, um, once they get, uh, once they get Bedard, because maybe they can, um, get a goalie somewhere in the market, or, you know, make a trade to, to get a goalie, um, but, uh, but yeah, that's the only thing where I'm like, the goaltending is, is probably the only thing that you're like, oh, okay, Columbus may not be as good. But if Columbus gets Connor Bedard, that would be a huge, that would be a nice market to have um, in the NHL for sure, because uh, Bedard could really put the team on the map um, more than what Johnny Gaudreau could do So uh, when he joined the team. The other thing is um, you look at a guy like Kirill Marchenko. Uh, yep. He doesn't really rack up the assists too much, but he he does have 21 goals on the season, mm. which isn't nothing. Uh, so if you could have uh, some low-key secondary scoring there, um, mm. maybe Connor Bedard unlocks um, you know a part of his game that we haven't seen, and he could be in t uh, turned into you know a, a secondary goal-scoring option that takes the load off of Patrick Laine, and maybe Connor Bedard indirectly or directly opens up that extra bit of offense that we haven't seen yet and he's a young kid and he's developing so that's one thing to keep in mind uh also you mentioned um the promising defense and they have Corson Kuhlman, Samuel Nasco oh, yeah. uh you mentioned Denton Matejic and uh, David Juracek there is one guy that I'm not sure you mentioned Stanislav Svozil 
No, I haven't. Um, do you happen to know where he plays hockey this year? Uh, I was looking at it, but I think isn't he a Czech? He's a Czech player, right? Yeah, uh, but he plays for the Regina Pats. Okay. And uh, that's the same team Connor Bedard plays for, and he's oh, wow. arguably their second best player. Oh wow! So um, for the sake of chemistry, uh, Sposal and Bedard both in Columbus. Loki love to see that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's and fun. they seem to have good chemistry already, too. Right, so, of course, yeah. yeah. That, yeah. that would be a dark horse uh, landing spot, too, to add to your point there, yeah. Yeah, if he can get 140 points, yeah, <laughs> that's that's good. Um, for uh, Again, um, in Columbus. Um, okay, so who's your second team? Uh, so my second team, sticking in the Eastern Conference, um, and it's a team that has struggled in recent years. Uh, especially with draft lottery luck, and maybe this is the year it all turns around for the Detroit Red Wings. I knew you were going to take the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> yeah, you, prob- you probably guessed. Uh, the guys are playing, man. It's yep. it's it's sometimes, uh, and he said this early in his uh, tenure with the Red Wings as GM. Sometimes you know you needed a little bit of luck to go your way yeah. in these draft lotteries, and. Um, they went from the best odds in the Lafreniere draft year to the fourth best odds. And you know what? They didn't get Lafreniere. They didn't get Byfield. They didn't get Stutzla. But you know who they did get? They got Lucas Raymond. And the year before that, they got Moritz Sider and a bunch of other young guys that you're starting to see play NHL hockey and start to fit in with this group. Jonathan Berggren is another guy. He has 15 goals, 28 points. Not bad for... Like I said, a relatively new, young newcomer into the NHL market. Barely averages 14 minutes a night when he plays. Uh, but again, given the ice time that he's been getting, uh, he's shown uh, promising potential there. Uh, you look at a guy like Andrew Kopp, I think this has been an off year for him, and he's going to bounce back. Same with Lucas Raymond. You also have Dominic Kubelik in the mix, good veterans, and Dylan Larkin and David Prawn to help show him around. And David Perron, I would argue, was maybe the underrated glue that held the Blues together during their years. And, you know, some pundits were saying when he left St. Louis that the Blues were going to regret that decision. And um, maybe that's the reason why the Blues haven't been nearly as effective as people thought. And and David Perron, I guess, to his offensive standards, um, he hasn't been performing like he has in St. Louis. But... I definitely think uh, the veteran leadership that he provides is definitely going to be key for the Red Wings moving forward. Uh, you also have, you know, guys like uh, Pia Suter that are already there. I mentioned uh, earlier in the season Elmer Soderblom and his six foot seven, six foot eight frame, and how he could be an absolute nightmare to play against. And I stand by that. As we get into the coming years, you're going to see and hear more and more about that guy in training camps, how he's able to uh, turn the tables on guys. The other thing about the Detroit Red Wings is they have uh, two first-round picks and three second-round picks this year, and uh, also a conditional first-round pick uh, from the Bruins as part of that Tyler Bertuzzi trade. So they definitely have the draft capital still to either draft the young talent uh, that could help them moving forward or – they can use that as trade bait to get uh, some veterans down the line. They do have a bit of cap space as well to finagle with, um, and they have just extended uh, Dylan Larkin, so that's 
obviously going to take away some of that cap space. But for the most part, they don't have too much term locked on to guys. So when it comes time to re-sign Connor Bedard, give him his first big boy contract, they definitely have the cap space to do that, I believe. Um, and you also look at the young guys that they have coming into the fold that you're starting to hear from. I mentioned Jonathan Berger and either earlier. Uh, we're starting to see uh, first NHL games for Marco Casper as well, which is good. Um, and he's probably going to get some minutes uh, down the stretch as well. Um, if you look at uh, some of the young guys uh, that they have uh, in the system in the AHL currently, uh, Amadeus Lombardi isn't there yet, but uh, in the OHL, he's been one of the league's top scorers. They also have Cross Hannes uh, in the mix as well. Um, uh, defensively, they have some gems, as we mentioned, William Wallinder. Um, you've also heard um, Simon Edmondson as well. They have some young goalie talent uh, in the pipeline as well, headlined by Sebastian Kosa who uh, put up really great yep. numbers in the WHL when uh, Connor Bedard was just starting out there. And, uh, you know, they even have some guys uh, on the reserve list uh, as well. Um, so when, when I look at the Detroit Red Wings, I definitely see a lot of potential there. A guy leading the charge in Steve Eisman in the front office that knows what he's doing. And obviously there are question marks in terms of, you know, how fast this team can adapt in a very loaded Eastern Conference, but I don't think they're as far away from the playoffs as people think. And heading into February, you know, they were right in the mix with all of those playoff teams like the Islanders and the Panthers and the Penguins that are still battling. And definitely getting a guy like Connor Bedard would change the narrative and put the Red Wings into that yep. playoff conversation. Don't want to mess with this group. Yeah, yeah. I was... Um... I was thinking of Detroit, I but I figured you were gonna take Detroit, so I was like, I don't, I didn't want to say the exact same things that you were gonna say, but yeah, no, I, I think Detroit would be a good team, having said all that, um, because um, yeah, even like you know Dylan Larkin's um, pretty good player, but yeah, if you have like a one-two punch with Larkin and Bedard, um, yeah, you're 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 working with something, so um, mm -hmm. that's a good. Good choice there. Um, for my first pick, um, oh, also when you said so there was a moment when you said like they they uh, they had bad draft lottery luck, and I was like, well, they did get more cider, they did get Lucas Raymond. It's like they have drafted well, and um, and now it looks like uh, what's his face, um, the other guy is going to be pretty good too um but uh the guy that they just drafted um but Casper, uh, yeah 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 casper um so it would be funny though because it's like that's like it seems like every year that detroit just drafts a guy that no one's ever heard of or like you know maybe like all the scouts have but not the casual fans, I guess, but it would be pretty funny if Detroit just drafts, like, someone that, like, isn't Connor Bedard first overall. Um, what the Detroit Red Wings need to do is sign out. Shane Gostas-Bear in free agency yeah. so they can have Casper the Friendly Ghost and Ghost-Bear on the same team. Oh, that'd be great, yeah. Um, but, that'd uh, be great marketing right there. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but it would just be funny because it's the, um, 
Is that, it's just a trend for Detroit that they, they do that, where they just draft guys that are kind of, like, you, you hear some rumor rumblings that teams are interested in them, but... Um, but then eventually it just works out for them. Yeah, um, that's that's what got them a dynasty is, is yep. their drafting and their and their great scouting, especially yep. in the European market. Like yep. they got Nicholas Lindstrom that way, no, they no. got Johan Franson, Henrik Zedberg, Pavel Datsuk. Yep. The European market, they thrive on that. Yeah, yeah. I think but like those were all like late rounds. It's not just the early rounds yeah. too. So yeah. Yeah. If they if they have that late round power as well, yeah. they're they're gonna be right back in that dynasty form before you know it. So uh, for my first pick, I I had a toss up. Um, I was going to say Washington because um, I think it would be kind of cool to see him with another generational talents in Ovechkin. I was thinking about that too. Not gonna lie. Yeah, but then I was like, and then I was like looking at their uh, prospect pool, and I was like, okay, I I don't know if if that like just playing with Ovechkin is gonna do it. Um, like, yeah, they probably will make the playoffs if Washington, if Washington wins, but I'm like, I don't know. Um, so instead I'm going with a team that you probably aren't going to be surprised that I picked and you might have actually picked them first. So, uh, as well, I'm going with the Vancouver Canucks as my first pick here. They're uh, the team that beats Connor Bedard. Yeah. Yeah. See, the thing is, is, like, yeah, it's, like, it's one of the things where it's, like, their management, definitely the way that they handled the Bruce Boudreaux situation, they shouldn't, they don't have a right to... They don't deserve Connor they Bedard. They don't deserve Connor Bedard. Outside of Arizona and yeah. Chicago, they don't deserve Connor Bedard. They, yeah. Um, well, Arizona, I, like, I'm, I'm fine if Arizona gets them, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely not Chicago though. Definitely yeah, yeah, Chicago. Chicago. I'll agree with, but um, <laughs> the uh, but yeah, like they also like trade Bo Horvat away, and then they get a first round pick, and you're thinking like, oh, okay, that makes some sense, and then all of a sudden they get, uh, they trade that <laughs> that pick away, um, to get um, what's his face? Um, why am I blanking on that? Philip Heronik, um, who's yeah. only played four games. Um, so it's like, oh, okay. Um, and like they, they signed JT Miller last year to a, a big contract that they regret right now. And they were going to trade him away to Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh didn't want a center or something or like something back. Um, so if they get Connor Bedard, they have a center. Um, but then they have to deal with JT Miller. But here's the thing. I don't know if you realize this, Steve, but JT Miller is not having a bad year. Uh, 78 points in 78 games. Of course, you have Elias Peterson, who's also pretty good. 99 points in 77 games. Um, He's been better than JT Miller offensively. Yeah, 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 That's of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Quinn Hughes um, is almost a point-per-game player for as a defenseman. That's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, 73 points in 75 games, for the record. Um, and then you have Kuzmenko. With 71 points in 78 yeah, games, darn good. Uh, very good. Uh, he's 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 been a big contributor to why EP has been so good as well. So, um, so yeah, I guess the the thing is is that if this team gets Connor Bedard, um, he he would instantly make their team better 
um, obviously. I mean, the thing that you have to think about is, like, the reason why the Canucks traded away Bo Horvat was because he had three centers, at caliber centers, and, um, and you would have to, like, move one of those guys to uh, the third line, um, or, you know, you make Peterson a winger or something like that. So I, I'm sure they could make it work if you have Bedard, because he could be a center there. Um, or you just move Bedard to the wing. Um, that could also work. Uh, they also, and not just those four guys that I mentioned, um, uh, there's also, um, I think, um, I was just looking at this the other day, but uh, let me just pull this up. Um, that uh, Anthony Bavillier, uh, yeah, he has, uh, in his time with Vancouver, he has 19 points in 30 games. He was on a very hot start at the beginning, but I guess he kind of cooled off a little bit uh, towards the end there. Um, and then um, and then in terms of, like, the the system that they have, or their, their system, I was just noticing this. They have Connor Lockhart um, is their top scorer from a prospect's standpoint 79 points in 66 games um Aiden McDonough um from Northeastern 38 points in 34 games um Josh Bloom 71 points in 68 games combined in the OHL because he played for two teams there um so it's like an Aturati who was like a couple of years ago he was considered their first pick um and then the pandemic kind of screwed him over um, but he's not having a bad year in the AHL, um, 25 points in 49 games. Uh, he was involved in that Bo Horvat deal. Um, so, so yeah, even if like, you know, like you can't, I would imagine cause there were rumors that you're gonna, they wanted to trade JT Miller. Um, I would imagine. I, I still think that could get done this offseason, yeah. but that's a different conversation. Yeah, yeah. For a different time. Well, but, I was saying yeah. like even if they don't get Bedar, that's probably gonna, that could still happen. Um, also, that like a big reason why Vancouver wasn't as good as the as we thought they were going to be was uh, Thatcher Demko uh, was injured for half the year. So if you get a, th- a healthy Thatcher Demko, then you're you're cooking with something. Um, so I'm kind of like, I'm right, like, yeah, Thatcher Demko hasn't been good even when he was healthy and he, when he returned. But I can, like, you know, I, could, I can give him some benefit of the doubt where I'm like, okay, it, it takes a while for goalies to get settled in. So if you give him, a like, maybe, like, three more months to figure it out again, then I'm like, okay, Thatcher Demko, he, he might be pretty good again. Um and yeah, so I, I think Vancouver and uh, the added bonus is uh, I, I assume you know this is might be a rhetorical question then, but do you know where Connor Bedard is from? Um, obviously British Columbia. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this would and his favorite hockey player is Tyler Mott, uh, apparently, <clears throat> which is which is interesting because you would think like you would say like he would say like Sidney Crosby or Ovechkin or someone or even like McDavid I guess but um, the the fact that he said um, Tyler Mott it's just interesting so 
Uh, he it, is a Canucks fan as well. Because of the way that Tyler yeah. Mott plays, he's more of a defensive player. And yeah. also, I remember that quote of the World Juniors where he's saying, we're not talking about me right now. Yeah. We're not talking about my play. Yeah. We, we, we just won the biggest tournament in the world. I freaking yeah. love my teammates. Like, yeah. That, that that is the perfect emblem of a team guy. Like, there's obviously, like, first overall picks yep. that, you know, got caught up in the hype and, yep. you know, maybe weren't mentally ready to, you know, own that title. Connor Bedard is ready. Like, yep. he's, he's a man in a boy's body. Like, he hasn't yep. turned 18, and he's yep. one of the most mature players at his position. Yeah, and he has the right mindset going into the draft as well. That's what sticks out to me more than anything. That actually reminds me of, um, uh, like, uh, I think uh, Connor McDavid was asked about Bedard, um, and I, I guess they were on they. <laughs> McDavid and Crosby are mentioned a lot uh, in this episode here, but uh, I guess McDavid and Bedard were at a Sidney Crosby camp. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they were on the same team, and uh, McDavid was saying that like this guy exudes confidence um, because I think Crosby, I think it was Crosby who said, "I yeah. see no weaknesses." Yeah, basically. Well. And also, McDavid was saying that he um, there was a point when Crosby and Bedard were on the same team, um, and it was like a two on one and something, and Bedard shot. Um, shot it instead of like and McDavid was saying it's like at my age I probably would have just passed it to Crosby <laughs> but instead he like he took the shot and of course it was a goal but it was just yeah. um like that that just speaks to like that confidence there and it's like for someone like McDavid who's probably the only person who can relate to Bedard at this point yeah. and, and I guess Crosby as well but yeah. um the, the only three guys but um but it was, it was just like, it was just crazy that, yeah, you're saying as well that Crosby was also enamored of this guy as well. It's just like, that speaks to Connor Bedard as well, is that even McDavid and Crosby are like, yeah, this guy is really good. He's for real. Um, so, so yeah, there, there's that as well. Um, so who is your first team? Well, I hope you don't get mad at me because this was the yeah. first pick. Before I knew it was coming. Years. Uh, I think the Anaheim Ducks are not third, they're first. Oh, wow. Oh, I thought yeah. you were going to, because when you said don't get mad at me, I thought you were going to say the Montreal Canadiens. I just remember Canadians. the previous conversations, but... Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah that, that has happened before. But yes. um, I, I thought you were going to go with Montreal. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, uh, I don't think they really had the cast base to do like a quick turnaround and yeah, also in know. the Eastern Conference, so I didn't pick Montreal for that reason. Right. But uh, de- definitely, I think uh, I Connor Bedard could fit that Montreal mold. They definitely have the young pieces yeah. there, but I don't know long term about their defense and their contending to like quickly contend because that's that's the whole topic of this True. question is like the quickest to contend right, right, right. i think it would take much yeah. a bit more time for that's that. that's fair yeah like ultimately all these teams will be better with Connor bedard on their team uh but yeah, yeah that's fair that it might take montreal a little bit longer but at the same time you have cole caulfield you have Juraj slavkovsky uh they were just brutalized by injuries as well so but yeah i yeah. guess you're right the goaltending needs to be figured out in the defense before um before all that stuff but yes you're right 
So anyway. to the argument, um, to add to your argument uh, during your Anaheim discussion, uh, to take a look, obviously Trevor Segers is the straw that stirs the drink yep. offensively at the moment. But even even uh, Trevor Segers has had to go through a lot of growing pains this year, as mm-hmm. most of the team has. Uh, Troy Terry has, you know, given the circumstances, had an all right season. Uh, Cam Fowler's looked pretty good, all things considered. Mason McTavish, I definitely think, is uh, a top six forward in the making for that group. Frank, Frank Vertrano, Loki, has had a 20-goal season. Good for him. Uh, and also 221 shots. So you could yep. utilize him in that offense, uh, even with Connor Bedard as well. Uh, Brian Strom has been okay, but, um, you know, I don't really know if he's living up to the contract so far. Again, it's year one. Mm. Um, Adam Henrique, long-term, I don't really see him as a fit. Jakob Silverberg was a fit way back when. I don't know about right now. Kevin Shattenkirk is probably gone after this season. And maybe a guy like Maxime Comtois, maybe a young guy like that gets moved out if they get a guy like Conor Bedard. Because, again, their prospect pool is just fully loaded from top to bottom, not just on the back end, but also in terms of forwards. Uh, Just taking a look at uh, some of the forwards that they have. They have uh, Nathan Gaucher, who uh, was on uh, Team Canada's roster at the World Juniors this year. Uh, 46 points in 44 games with the Quebec Ramparts. Uh, so he was um, a draft pick of Anaheim back in 2022, a late first-round pick. Uh, so a recent draft pick of theirs. Uh, you also have a guy like Jacob Perot, who they drafted a couple of years ago. Um, there was uh, this undrafted guy that was getting a lot of attention uh, in training camp named Pavel Raganda. And oh, yeah. uh, with the San Diego Gulls, he has 25 points in 50 games. Um Maybe there's um, untapped potential in that guy. Uh, you mentioned Pastudov with uh, the North Bay Battalion as well. He's been more of an assist guy in the playoffs for North Bay, but like you said, this year the numbers have been good. Um, and then you also have, you know, dark horse guys like Judd Caulfield, who uh, they they got in a low risk high reward trade with uh, the Penguins recently. Uh, and and maybe there's some potential uh, there now that uh, his college uh, career is out of the way. Uh, and as you mentioned about the defense, Menchikov, Selweger, just absolute studs. Um, uh, I mentioned uh, a guy like Drew Hellison who could round mm. out uh, that all-around defense. And uh, he's gotten some AHL time recently, 18 points in 63 games. I definitely think... He's on his way. He's going to progress, and he's going to get better as the year goes along. Uh, you mentioned guys like Lucas Dostel, who uh, could be a future NHLers between the pipes. There's also Gage Alexander mix, Kale Klang as well, and uh, they're both in their early 20s too. And uh, even uh, the reserve list, uh, they have uh, some some guys that you mentioned in that group, uh, Sam uh, Colangelo, uh, you've already mentioned yeah. earlier. Um, I, I, I've, I think uh, you add those guys into the mix. Uh, Tristan Luno, you were mentioning on the back end. Jackson Lacombe, both of those prospects are unsigned uh, at the moment. Uh, so once they turn pro, uh, those are more guys in the pipeline that you could use. Um, like I said, the draft capital that uh, the Anaheim Ducks have at their disposal is definitely going to work to their advantage. Uh, they have three seconds, two-thirds this year. Uh, next year, they have two seconds and three-thirds. 
Uh, so they don't have to keep all of those picks. They can move some of those for veteran pieces later. And again, the other thing that you mentioned um, that I think is more important than anything to a quick turnaround is cap space. I mean, they definitely have the young players uh, to go out and make big trades, but you also need cap space to do that. Mm -hmm. And the Ducks, like outside of the Buffalo Sabres, entered this year with, you know, the highest um, amount of cap space. Um, They're right up there with Arizona as well. And you look at uh, guys on expiring contracts uh, heading into next year. Uh, Adam Henrique, after the 2023-24 season, will be a UFA, so that's... 5.825 5.825 million off the books. Uh, Jacob Silverberg's contract expires at that same time, uh, summer 2024. 5.25 million off the books there. Uh, they can decide, similar to Enrique, whether to keep him or ditch him or trade him for futures. Um, you also have Frank Vetrano uh, and Brock McGinn at affordable rates. What you do with them uh, is up to you as well. Um, and I mentioned I mentioned those names because. Uh, you're going to need to sign the likes of, as I mentioned previously, Troy Terry and Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale to new contracts. If you decide to keep Max Comtois on, the, on board um, um, uh, as part of their long-term plans, well, then he needs a new contract after this year as well. Same with Lucas Gostel. Um, so there's definitely some short-term uh, things that they need to address mm-hmm. there. But if that's if that's your biggest problem at this point, um Honestly, like a, a lot of teams will take that. You instantly add a guy like Connor Bedard on your team. And there is only one reason why a guy like, for example, Dmitry Orlov would leave a team like the Boston Bruins and join a once bottom feeding, right. we're not going anywhere type of team. And that's because they have this young kid who's going to be really, really good for years to come. Mm. And I got to play and I get to play with this kid if I sign here. Yeah. And it's not just going to be the case with, you know, say, for example, Dmitry Orlov. It's going to be a case with a lot of teams. And they're going to have a lot more free agency pull with Connor Bedard in the mix. Yeah. They're instantly going to be a future hot commodity for free agents. So um, I yeah. think uh, the Anaheim Ducks, um, for a bunch of reasons, are a very good fit for Connor Bedard. And I think they could have the quickest turnaround, even though they're going to have to leapfrog a bunch of teams in their division to really get to that contention status. But I I wouldn't call it out of the question either, just because of how some of those other teams that they're chasing are aging and the cap restrictions for teams like the Oilers as well. Yep. Um, So, so yeah, I, I I don't think the future is as bleak for Anaheim if they get the dart. Yeah. I mean, they do have a lot of prospects um, as we've been mentioning. So it's like, like not just on the defensive side of things, but also on the offensive side of things. So even if they don't get Bedard, it's like they're, they're they have a bright future. Um, the one thing that both of us didn't mention when we were talking about the Ducks, um, or I forgot to mention and you didn't mention, but um, was that John Gibson? Um, he's not having a great year. Um, he has a sub nine hundred save percentage. Um, I mean, a lot of that could be due to the fact that Dallas Eakins is not a good coach. Um, but, um, but that's, you know, that's neither going to dare. Of course, John Gibson used to be one of the better goaltenders in the league. Um, and there was reports, but later, uh, uh, declined or, uh, reported as untrue by Gibson's camp that, uh, he wanted out of Anaheim. 
So I do wonder if there is, like, um, if he does want to stay there, um, if they do get Connor Bedard, and that maybe motivates him to continue to, to, like, play as well as, like, what, like, his early career or something like that. Um, I can see it happening yeah. where he wants out if they don't get Bedard, but if they do get first overall, yeah. then I think he, he waits to see, you know, what this team what, looks like with on. Connor Bedard in the mix because that's definitely, like we've said time and time again, yeah. a game-changing, franchise-altering right. decision. But, and to your point about Gibson's bad year, yes, he's been bad, but he's faced the second-most shots, which yeah. is uh, coming up on nearly 2,000 shots. He has a GAA near four, which again isn't good, but an 899 save percentage just near 900, that's honestly not as bad as you think it might be. Yeah, uh, it's still I would bad. imagine the save percentage in that scenario would be like an 875 or an 880, which uh, it's obviously still... isn't serviceable, but yeah. even, even that, like if you're pushing near a 900 save percentage with a GAA over four in front of that defense yeah. and facing the second most shots in the league, I mean it's bad, but it's not terrible. It's still not it's as pretty terrible bad. as maybe you think. But if this was like Martin Jones, I would be. I'm saying the same thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. But let's let's be clear. Yeah. John Gibson has the ability to steal games on oh, a yeah. weekly basis. True. Uh, Martin Jones. Um, once upon a time, maybe could, but I don't think can. Anymore. I I guess I guess I you do have a point. However, one John Gibson's making six point four million for four more years after this one. Yeah. Um, and this isn't like you know this is a trend in the wrong direction because the last year he had he also had a uh, he had a nine oh four save percentage and a three point one nine GAA. Um, he also, the year before that, the bubble year, he had a 2.98 GAA and a save percentage of 9.03. The year before that, uh, that was like, that was the season that was interrupted by the pandemic, but like he still had a three GAA and a, a 9.04 save percentage. So it's not just this season, but like he's just been bad the last four years. Um, and, um, and, and maybe that some of that has to do with the fact that Dallas Eakins isn't a good coach. Uh, Anaheim had a lot I of think changeover. The team has also got yeah. something to do with that. Like outside True. of Kevin Shattenkirk fair. and John Klingberg, who wasn't really good for the yeah. time that he was here, Still and fair. Uh, Cam Fowler as well. Like who yeah. do they have? They don't have Josh Manson anymore. They don't have Famous Lindholm. They did have Jimmy Drysdale at the start of the year. Then he True. got hurt, and he hasn't played since, and he won't play until next year. Fair. So that definitely hasn't helped. But to your point. If there is a time to trade John Gibson, it's probably now because if he does have another bad season yeah. like this, I don't think too many teams are willing to take on that cap hit. But I don't, I don't even think you can trade him now because he's having that. I think bad you could. Season. I don't think, I think you, think you can. could. No, I don't think you can. I don't know how much you get for him if you get. Even yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair. Him, fair point. There's trade value. Yeah, I, I guess Especially there is. Consider the free agency goalies that are out there. A guy like John Gibson. I, I think has the capability Fair. to still steal games. He's got some prime hockey left, and he's got a bit of term on his deal but, left. But it would, if, if the ducks, if the ducks can retain salary, that makes it even more um, useful. Yeah, fair. But I, I feel like it would have to be like a Jonathan Quick type trade. Um, yeah, because that would be a similar player. 
But um, there is a taker, even a couple yeah. of takers for John Gibson right now, just based on how the goalie market shakes up. Yeah. There's question marks all around free agency, RFAs like Blackwood, for yeah. example. Um, John Gibson out of that group, I'm sure a lot of teams would consider to be a top option if you want an upgrade. I guess um, I, I'm but, just I'm just thinking of the fact that like this isn't it's not just like one bad year; it's like multiple bad years. And the fact that, like, he has four more years with 6.4, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like it would have to be, like, something where Anaheim would have to send another player, player over that they don't want or a pick over that they don't want in order to make that happen. Um, and, I, I mean, I guess it's because uh, John Gibson does have a no-trade clause, so he has control over it, so maybe it's not as big of a deal, but I... I don't think you could get a ton for John Gibson like you would early on in his career, of course. But And to add, yeah. to add to your point as well, I think the only way John Gibson gets moved out is if he basically forces the right. issue and says, I'm done. Right, right. Um, but also, yeah, I'm, I, I, think, I think if the Ducks have a choice, they'd probably stay the course with Gibson and see what happens. Yeah. But uh, again, if, if they keep spinning the tires and they're not going anywhere, uh, they, yeah. their hand might be forced. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Uh, also, I just noticed, too, that uh, Cam Fowler also has a no-trade clause, $6.5 million for four more years, um, including this one. So uh, that's, um, that's another interesting thing there, too. But um, all right. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace em Up. Um, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. Um, happy Easter for those who celebrate again. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Elswith. We'll chat again in episode 361 of the Lace Mill Podcast.